Welcome to the Corona of Thorns. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who show the light of your truth to those who go astray, so that they may return to the right path. Give all who for the faith they profess are accounted Christians the grace to reject whatever is contrary to the name of Christ and to strive after all that does it honour. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, for ever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Deuteronomy. Moses said to the people, Obey the voice of the Lord your God, keeping those commandments and laws of his that are written in the book of this law. And you shall return to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. For this law that I enjoin on you today is not beyond your strength or beyond your reach. It is not in heaven, so that you need to wonder, who will go up to heaven for us and bring it down to us, so that we may hear it and keep it? Nor it is beyond the seas, so that you need to wonder. Who will cross the seas for us and bring it back to us, so that we may hear it and keep it? No, the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart for your observance. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The precepts of the Lord give joy to the heart. The precepts of the Lord give joy to the heart. The law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul. The rule of the Lord is to be trusted. It gives wisdom to the simple. The precepts of the Lord give joy to the heart. The precepts of the Lord are right. They gladden the heart. The command of the Lord is clear. It gives light to the eyes. The precepts of the Lord give joy to the heart. The fear of the Lord is holy, abiding forever. The decrees of the Lord are truth, and all of them just. The precepts of the Lord give joy to the heart. They are more to be desired than gold, than the purest of gold, and sweeter are they than honey, than honey from the comb. The precepts of the Lord give joy to the heart. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians. Christ Jesus is the image of the unseen God and the firstborn of all creation. For in him were created all things in heaven and on earth, everything visible and everything invisible, thrones, dominations, sovereignties, powers. All things were created through him and for him. Before anything was created, he existed, and he holds all things in unity. Now the church is his body, he is its head. As he is the beginning, he was first to be born from the dead, so that he should be first in every way, because God wanted all perfection to be found in him, and all things to be reconciled through him and for him, everything in heaven and everything on earth, when he made peace by his death on the cross. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. You have the words of everlasting life. Alleluia.
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. There was a lawyer who, to disconcert Jesus, stood up and said to him, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What do you read there? He replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. You have answered right, said Jesus. Do this, and life is yours. But the man was anxious to justify himself and said to Jesus, And who is my neighbour? Jesus replied, A man was once on his way down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of brigands. They took all he had, beat him, and then made off, leaving him half dead. Now a priest happened to be travelling down the same road, but when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, A Levite who came to the place saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan traveller who came upon him was moved with compassion when he saw him. He went up and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. He then lifted him on his own mount, carried him to the inn and looked after him. Next day, he took out two denarii and handed them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and on my way back I will make good any extra expense you have. Which of these three do you think proved himself a neighbour to the man who fell into the brigand's hands? The one who took pity on him, he replied. Jesus said to him, Go, and do the same yourself. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We've all heard this parable of the Good Samaritan loads of times, maybe some of us even hundreds of times. It's an old favourite. So much so that it's crept into our everyday language. Someone who freely helps a stranger is a Good Samaritan. But I think there's a hidden danger in being so familiar with a parable like this. It can lead to a sense of, like, I've got this one all sussed out. I know what the moral of the story is. The risk for us is that we become a little complacent with the text. We hear the intro. A man was once on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho. And we can think, oh yeah, that's the Good Samaritan. It means everyone's my neighbour and I need to love my neighbour. Gee, I wonder what the footy score is by now. Well, I'll present you with a slightly different interpretation of the parable. Um, One which might not be one that we're necessarily familiar with. It's an ancient interpretation, uh, and it goes back to St. Augustine in the 5th century. And who knows, probably even goes back long before then. But what St. Augustine will say is that we are the man who fell into the hands of brigands, and the Good Samaritan is Christ himself. Now, there's no doubt that the whole point of the parable is that Jesus points to the Good Samaritan as the one who is able to love his neighbour. That's the question that gives rise to the parable, right? The lawyer rightly says, you know, well, okay, well, to inherit eternal life, you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and your neighbour as yourself. And in typical lawyer fashion, he wants to get the definitions right. Okay, here's the fine print. 
Who's my neighbour then? Who do I have to love to get into heaven? So, yeah, okay, absolutely. The Good Samaritan is the one that we need to imitate. But I think Augustine's got something very important to tell us too with his interpretation. Because the reality is that Christ has loved us first. And when we go through this interpretation, the details become important. Jesus tells us that the man was on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, bear in mind, this is a parable. Like, Jesus isn't talking about a real person who was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a story that he's constructed as a rhetorical tool to teach us. So he could just as easily have said a man was on his way from Bethlehem to Nazareth or from Sydney to Melbourne. (laughs) But Jerusalem to Jericho, it's got a meaning, right? What's Jerusalem? It's the place of the temple. To the Jews, the temple is the house of God. It's where the Lord dwells. It's where he is among his people. So if you wanted to make sacrifice to God, to be in communion with God, you had to go to Jerusalem. Well, this man is walking away from Jerusalem, away from the place of communion with God. Now Jericho is an ancient, ancient city. And it's very close to the Dead Sea. Uh, And if you know a little bit of the geography of Israel, you might know that the Dead Sea is actually the lowest place on earth. Uh, Now, I got this from Wikipedia, so bear that in mind, but it's 430 metres below sea level. So there's a kind of theological point that's sort of revealed in the geography of this trip. From Jerusalem to Jericho, you're going from the place of communion with God, and you are going down, downhill, down to the Dead Sea, where nothing can live. When this man falls into the hands of brigands, Augustine reads this as the condition of man falling into sin. When we're on the path heading away from God, sin will take hold of us. And we can see then what effect sin has on us. It leaves us deformed, beaten up, and most tellingly, half dead and dying. So there we are, lying on the side of the road and unable to help ourselves. We can't heal the wounds that sin has inflicted on us. We can't lift ourselves up. We need rescuing. So the priest and the Levite come along and they don't help. And it's at this point that we often think to ourselves that the priest and Levites, you know, they're just nasty pieces of work, uppity, callous, uncaring, hard of heart. Well, Augustine in his reading of the parable says, well, it's not just that they didn't want to help, it's that they couldn't. All the rituals of the Old Testament, the sacrifices of bulls, goats, lambs, none of these could restore us to health. The priest and the Levite weren't our rescuers. They couldn't be our saviour. But along comes the Good Samaritan, Jesus Christ. And we hear what has to be one of the most simple and beautiful lines in Scripture. A Samaritan traveller who came upon him was moved with compassion when he saw him. 
I think that's a beautiful picture. Seeing our condition, our sin, our woundedness and our helplessness, God is moved with compassion. So what does the Samaritan do? He lifts the man up onto his mount and he treats his wounds with oil and wine. Now, we're not in the habit of treating wounds with oil and wine. Do a first aid course, uh, and I think they'll probably tell you that that's the last thing you should do with an open wound. And yet in the context of this parable, it seems important. What do oil and wine make us think of? The sacraments, right? We see oil in the rite of baptism, in confirmation, in the anointing of the sick. And we also see when a priest gets ordained that the bishop puts oil on his hands. And of course, wine we see in the Eucharist. This is how Jesus treats the wounds of sin. He puts oil and wine on them. He's not come to condemn us for our sinfulness, but moved by compassion, he treats our wounds and heals them. He gets down from his mount and lifts us up. So what does Augustine make of the inn? Well, the Good Samaritan drops the man off and leaves him with the innkeeper, promising to return soon and to pay the full debt. The inn, for Augustine, that's the church. The Lord Jesus has entrusted the care of our souls to the church. It's the church that nurses us to health. It's the church that helps to heal the wounds that sin has caused. And how does the church do this? By the sacraments. Baptism, confirmation, strengthened through confession, the Eucharist. The church teaches us about God by proclaiming the gospel. And she helps us on our path of life by pointing to the way that God wants us to live so that we're not again wounded by sin. Early in his pontificate, Pope Francis referred to the church as being a field hospital, a place where people who are wounded come in order to get patched up. And uh, I think that's very much what St. Augustine is getting at. Now, we may ask ourselves, what did the wounded man on the side of the road do to deserve such an incredible act of kindness? Well, the answer is nothing. The man on the side of the road didn't have any bargaining power. There's nothing that the wounded man has that the Samaritan wants. In fact, he's willing to pay even more on his return. It's a pure act of love. No strings, no conditions. And God's showing us how he loves. Now, we started by pointing out the context of the parable. The lawyer asks, who is my neighbour? Well, St. Augustine thinks that the parable works like this. We were helpless, beaten, dying on the road. Christ saved us and spared no expense in restoring us to life, even at the expense of his own life, stepping off his mount in order to lift us up on it. And so Augustine says, this is how God loves us. This is what love is. And if this is how Christ has loved us, then this is how we ought to love our neighbour. And who's our neighbour? 
Surely anyone who finds themselves in the same condition that we were in, beaten, deformed, lying on the side of the road, unable to lift ourselves up, caught in sin, that person's our neighbour. And how do we love them? By bringing them to the same inn to which we have been brought, the church. <laughs>